0: Welcome to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Now, here's the show.
1: All right, welcome to episode three of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. We're here at the Blue Ash Police Department in Blue Ash, Ohio, uh, right outside uh, northeast of Cincinnati. I'm here with my co host, David Glenn, a kludgy from YouTube. And let me go ahead and make sure everybody's mics are turned on here. <laughs> thanks for having me, Joe. Yeah, definitely. And Lieutenant Steve Schuler from the Blue Ash Police Department. Thanks, Joe. Welcome. Uh, thank you very much for hosting us here today. And Chief Amos Johnson from the Woodlawn Fire Department.
2: Hey, Joe. How you doing? Thanks Good. Thanks for having me. Yeah,
1: you're welcome. We got a Jam uh, Pack show here for our third episode, and thanks to everybody who listened to our first two. We're, we're back, and we're going to start trying to do these uh, pretty uh, regu- regularly and uh, try to keep them topical and everything else as well, too, so... Um, there is a standard here that I kind of was made aware of uh, by some folks at the Woodlawn Fire Department, um, but when you fly a drone for public safety, you can't just, I mean, I guess you could just fly it willy-nilly, but in order to do this the right way, there there are some standards. I mean, is that a, Absolutely. And, yeah. and and how long have these standards been around then?
2: Well, they just came out in 2019. That's That's, that's the, I don't want to say a problem, but that's the new thing- that we have to figure out how is this is going to work in the fire service. Mm-hmm. And also just not in the fire service, but public safety, because it does speak about the police department too and the NFPA standard. So just a brief history on our NFPA standard, National mm-hmm. Fire Protection Agency, they gives us all of our standards for our turnout gear. I it's the National
1: Fire Protection Association. Association. I, th- I said prevention, sorry. But. Oh, no, you're fine. Okay.
2: You're fine. I'm, I'm I say that too. You know so what I meant. I just yeah. make it up. Okay. It's easier that way. <laughs> Everybody knows what you mean. Just say it like you. Know.
1: That's right. So say it like you mean it, right? Yeah,
2: yeah. Absolutely. So, again, this standard, this governs everything that we do in the fire service. Our mm-hmm. turnout gear, our fire trucks, um, how we test our ladders, SCBAs, the whole nine. So, when something does happen and we go to court, they're going to yeah. go back to this standard. Oh, okay. So, it's a standard. But it becomes law when it goes to court. And oh, they're going to reference okay. that, as the lawyers do. So the only issue now that this is a standard that has come out in 2019 for at least fire, when something happens, if we're flying this in the fire department or my fire department, I want to know to make sure that we're following the standard. So when it falls out the sky, the lawyers are going to pull out this sheet and say, were you following this standard and that uh, exists? Okay. Ah, yeah. Is there
1: so, to-
3: so as a as a public citizen myself, so when I watch the news and they're always talking about, oh, did they follow the protocols or exactly. whatever? Or he he failed to
2: follow the protocols, this for you guys is really where you're getting those protocols defined. Exactly, exactly. So that's and the whole thing is that the drone thing happened so fast that police departments, fire departments, at least the public entities we ran out, we got them, everybody's flying them, they're doing their thing. And then they slide yeah. the standard in real quick. And it's like, <laughs> Oh, hope, hopefully you guys seen this. <laughs> so, um, again, one of my constituents, uh, Katie Tilmeyer, she's working with NIST and they came up with uh JPR. So again, same thing with the fire department, when we're going through our fire officer whatever case may be, we have to be tested out on certain job performance requirements So this standard also has job performance requirements for flying drones. Wow. Okay. How they take off land, if you can do this maneuver, that maneuver. So when and if something does happen, at least we can say I have the piece of paper. It was signed off on, so-and-so passed, whatever. It was just a mistake.
3: Yeah, and I I imagine there's some sort of a paper trail involved with that that you you – put this battery into service at this on this date exactly. and it's had this many flights on it. And, and that way, if you've got a battery with 3000 flights on it and it drops out of the sky, then yeah. they you know, exactly things like that. Right. Exactly.
1: Go ahead. I was, is there something similar to that in the police service? Police, I don't call it police service. It's law enforcement, right? Sure. i got to n- get my terminology here. Right.
4: Not currently, although I suspect that'll be coming down the road. Uh, OPATA, the Ohio Peace Officer Training Commission. Yes, we know some set, people up there. Yeah. yeah, we sure do, yeah. Mm-hmm. S- has set the standards for uh, Ohio law enforcement based on input from chiefs and other, uh, other agencies around the state. So I suspect that'll be coming. Uh, currently, uh, when we teach up at OPATA, we're teaching to a certain set of standards, what we call student performance objectives, SPOs, what we call them okay. law enforcement and uh, each student in a basic operator class has to pass those in order to uh, pass the class. Now, it's not required, as we know, to be a, uh, a drone pilot in public safety. You're not required to undergo any training. just required to pass your, your Part 107 knowledge test. So there are mm-hmm. currently no performance standards. Uh, within the police department, we have set our own standards. Uh, we have a flight operations manual that talks about uh, when pilots are current, they have to fly periodically, you know, at least once per month uh, make, uh, three takeoffs and landings once per month in order to uh, stay current on that aircraft. So,
1: and that is your, own that, that's department. our own policy. Correct. Do you share that with other people? Have you, have you shared it with others? Sure, it's not yeah. a secret. I no, guess. it's not a secret. Absolutely. not. Do people it's ask you for it pretty much? Right, yeah. yeah. And so that, that is helping develop some standards. Maybe you think Blue Ash is kind of a pioneer in this in the police side. Of things, we are right?
4: in this part of the state anyway. Uh, Northern Ohio, they've, they've, you know, they're pretty far ahead of us as, uh, Generally, generally further ahead than Southern Ohio as far as drone usage. There's many agencies up there that have banded together and have uh, joint drone teams. Uh, f- actually, not only just police, but police and fire teams working together up there uh, uh, in around Lake County, uh, Cleveland area.
1: So. so, what are some of the standards that maybe are above and beyond? Even uh, Amos, well, you know that that maybe like I, since I'm not a police or a f- police officer or a firefighter, what? you know what what are some of the standards that are out there that that may surprise people
4: i've got a quick question if you can answer oh, this yeah. first so what kind of correlation there's is there between the nist and the nfpa standard
2: or actually it, yeah. um, so nist is actually in the appendix for the nfpa standard okay so nist created the jprs in essence the job performance requirements so we should say what nist is i guess for the
1: National Institutes National of, standards, of uh, standards and Testing. Standards and Testing. There you go. Testing, Thank is that what it is? Okay. I was yeah.
2: about to make something up. Like, so okay. <laughs> and that'll be it.
1: I'll have to change your sign and everything, yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> right.
2: So, so, again, going back to Lieutenant Schuler's question. So, NIST is that um, testing, which they come up with these standards. Mm-hmm. So, the NFPA, once they wrote this, then they adopted NIST and actually wrote it into the standard in their appendix for the job performance requirements. And a lot of people do not know that. I think that's where Mm. everything is getting kind of mixed up and not told correctly. So, and just going back to his question too, just some of the things that were in there, the administrative, this is part of the standard here. Okay. Talks about the administrative part here, um, references to publications, uh, NFPA NIST definitions, organizational development consideration for the UAS. Then it goes into even professional qualifications, um, Maintenance of the UAS. So again, if you're not keeping up on your maintenance, there's a certain standard what you have yeah. to do mm-hmm. according to here. And actually, it does mention police departments in here too. It does uh, reference the PD, which oh, really? is weird for a fire. NFPA I seen the NFPA, NFPA right, to do so, that. Yeah. Hmm. So, but again, it's probably all coming together as the as the public safety pieces.
1: And um, emphasize this is still so new. We are oh, like in the early, early stages of this. And again,
2: just like any standards, they revise them every couple of years. So okay. I'm sure this standard will be different it's based after. on experience i yes. guess
1: of what people see what works and what doesn't work exactly. or what's over uh, unnecessarily overbearing or or i don't know if that's the right word but you know too much too yeah. much yeah
4: we've we, we found in law enforcement technology is always way way ahead of the law both uh, the law oh, yeah. as in codified law and case law mm-hmm. so it's also well ahead of the regulatory side of it yes. too which we're finally getting around to uh, you know the it, it was kind of the Wild West until Port 107 came out, yeah. right? So, uh, <laughs> as true. far as people flying whenever, wherever, and things, and finally the law caught up with that. So,
1: Right. And you don't necessarily want to be the police or fire department that is writing case law, right? That's probably not. <laughs> probably not. Because that means something. <laughs> <you're>, <laughs> that means you've been sued and you're right. going to court that. and have to defend yourself. It's expensive
4: to have your name on a case. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's <laughs> very <laughs> expensive. Nobody
1: does that to kind of work for free, Right. I guess. Yeah. So. Uh, so did you say, yeah, like we didn't really get it. Like what are some, what are something that's above and beyond? Like, you know, I, I'm a part one hundred seven, Dave's part one seven, mm-hmm. but what's something that if you're, you know, flying for a fire department, would you have to consider more a, a, or is it just taking the stuff that we already know and just. Again, it I think
2: it's taking what we already know and putting it in writing and doing every A, B, C, D, E. Okay. You don't want to miss B and E. Uh huh. And then something happens and the lawyer comes back and says, here's a standard. So Why how does that do B and E?
1: How does that translate to a situation where, you know, you roll up on a fire scene and is that, you know, you're like, oh, I got to get the standards out. Or do you have them like on a laminated checklist or something? Or And,
2: and again, it'll go back to Lieutenant Schuler's thing where his SOPs or his standard operating procedures that they have for their department mm-hmm. will, would probably be based off of that standard. So mm-hmm. they're following everything along that standard. But anyways. like in a,
1: I mean, in an emergency situation, and I haven't been in a situation like that you guys have been in, but I mean, I'm thinking, I guess, you know, your training kicks in and, your calm cool and collective where i'd be like ah you know <laughs> oh no the house is burning <laughs> yeah. what do we do now we're, we're firefighters we can handle this right, 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 you know
3: right. I, I would but, guess that the the and this is just my perspective that i mean you don't necessarily have a printed out checklist when you go to a fire scene forget about a drone but when you roll up to fire scene that's just where your training and education exactly. and experiences come comes into account and so i would imagine I and mean, this is just, just another tool in 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 your uh you know so you've already got Operating procedures for how you uh-huh. deal with your with your trucks, exactly, and the maintenance that go with them, and the logging that goes with them, and how how and when you can use them, and all those sorts of things. So I would imagine this is just adding another layer to that because you've got another tool. Now you've got to have you know your your training and, mm-hmm. and the legality of, piece yeah. of it
2: of, of making sure because it's it's going to happen. It's going to happen as we were talking with the FAA. The last guy we just went and spoke to, he's it's going to crash if it hasn't crashed yet. It's just a matter of time.
3: That's right.
2: Mm. So, yes, it will. <laughs> so, at, so at least if when it does crash, you have all your things in place and yeah. pray that it doesn't hit anybody or if it hits something expensive, you can at least say we're following the standard. This was just an accident.
3: Yeah. huh. Yeah, or we've done our due diligence. Exactly. We've we've made sure that we're maintaining it right. We've made sure that our, our personnel are trained appropriately, trained appropriately. So that, and that they're – Following those training procedures, they're not flying over the top of people or putting it into a dangerous situation.
1: That so sounds like the stuff you should be doing if you're Part One Hundred Seven commercial pilot. Yeah, this is the type of stuff you should be doing already in a lot of ways.
3: Right? Yeah, I think I think uh, from my perspective, public safety officers are probably just held to a much higher standard, um, you know, in, in terms of both law enforcement and fire personnel. And so, I think you know, for for you guys, you just have to make sure even at a higher level than, than me as a one Oh seven pilot, you know, you're, you're public, you know, your public, uh, you know, safety officers, uh, everybody's looking to you guys right. to do it the right way, do it the safe way. And, uh, you know, you're, you're more likely to be in the papers as a headline or on whatever yeah, than, than I say, What is a paper?
1: sorry
4: oh sorry so you
1: know
3: (laughs) for good reason cry over here right (laughs) yeah
4: we are held to a higher standard because if if you make a mistake as a private citizen you pay for it that's right we make a mistake as public servants we all pay for it Uh, it's all tax dollars coming out yeah right true and uh joe you mentioned uh you know having written procedures or showing up on a scene and kind of you know what do i do now we uh we based our we, we, uh, let me back up. We had the luxury of having a helicopter pilot help us develop our program. He was a oh, police really? officer here at the time. Mm. Oh, no kidding. So okay. uh, we based a lot of our checklists and things off manned flight, right? Oh, so pilots okay. have different you know, your pre-flight checklists. We have a pre- and a post-flight checklist. Yeah. So uh, if you show up on a scene, you're in a hurry to get it up in the air. You have a very time-sensitive situation. You need that view from the sky right away. We've got about a 15-point uh, bullet point checklist we have to run down with two people you can run through that thing in about 2 minutes you know just to make sure that you haven't missed anything you're you've powered the uh, you've attached the camera you know, that's one of the things on there is a the camera <laughs> yes. on the drone before you put it up in the sky mm-hmm. and it might be helpful right so uh, is your beacon turned on and that kind of thing so
1: right and, and yeah i guess okay i mean i you know have not been in that situation i guess you know you would you know i, I like i said it would be like ah oh, i got a gun or you know <laughs> what, now what do we do but uh, you you just follow the procedures and you go through it right. Too. um Okay, cool. That's good. Anything else you want to add about the?
2: Uh, Just the I would just say just talking about the JPRs piece again.
1: This job performance,
2: job performance requirements or standards. Yeah. Okay. Standards or whatever. Okay. Show us that you can do it. I think Mm -hmm. that that's the piece that was missing the most. Again, most departments, most fire departments or agencies, they came up with some type of A B C D E, Mm -hmm. but there was never a piece of an official piece of Show me that you can actually fly this. If if I want to go look at this, show me that you can go look at this piece of evidence or whatever the case may be. Mm-hmm. Again, each individual department probably came up with something of that, but it was never a blanket standard. Mm-hmm. Minimum requirements, you have to be able to do this and mark it off on a piece of paper. So what's an
1: example of a minimum standard? Like you actually have the person fly the drone and make sure that they can do it? Or? Yes,
2: actually – take off and land actually that's uh-huh. another piece of landing in a particular p- place okay as we were going through i think the, that's
1: like almost not that hard is it
2: y- you would think it wouldn't be okay and we we got some we had the brand new drone pilots and then we had the drone pilots that have been flying for five plus years and then we will tell them to land in a particular place the same place they took off and it was very hard really
4: yes huh. that, that last two feet when you get the ground effect where the air is pushing <laughs> yes. down and it pushes the, okay. the aircraft one way or the other it's real tough to hit oh. hit that spot on the ground. Yes.
1: So. So, I'm gifted, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, no, just. Maybe,
2: maybe. Finally, mom,
4: I hope
1: you hear this. Right? Yeah. Yes.
2: That's right. And, again, without the computer assistance, too, as well. Uh-huh. That's the other uh, piece. Okay. So, they you make turn it into t-
1: put it in a, uh, yes. the uh, Addy mode or, right. you know, and make them land. Oh, that's okay.
2: Yeah. So, it, it does change it a little bit. And then, actually, where you have the straight line, we mark them out beautifully straight. You have to stay on that straight line as you're flying straight out. You really? can't drift. Huh. So it it becomes a little bit of a task if you you haven't done it before
1: yeah, I mean because you know I, I, most of the time you' I, I always tell people they're deceptively easy to fly, and then um, I was flying somebody else's uh, uh, 210 matrice. I think I told you guys all the story where it uh, just started going crazy, and we think it was at, at mobilecom and the the uh, RF from the radio tower I think was messing with the ocuSync or Lightbrit. I don't know what. I think at that point it was probably ocuSync, and it just started spinning. And then took off. Scary. <laughs> Going east. Uh-oh. Scary. And uh, the guy uh, who whose uh, matrice it was just handed me the controller. And I said, why are you handing it to me? And he goes, <laughs> "Well, I've never flown this thing. It was the first time I've ever flown it. And he was nice. with a company. was coming to do a demo. And, and there was all these publics. Were you there? I don't
2: know. If-. No, you were telling me about I it. I told it was, you about yeah. this.
1: Oh, my gosh. And so I remembered, like, oh, yeah, sometimes the Phantom would get a little messed up on the north side of our tower. And that's where we were. And I had to then um, find a way to get it back and land it. As I like to say to light applause because everyone saw me. I'm like sweat pouring down <laughs> <laughs> because he's like that's like thirty thousand dollars, and I'm like I know I'm. believe me, I understand. I'll maybe get it back. Yeah, well, I did. I mean, it was. It was. I you know I wasn't completely confident I was going to get it back until it actually landed and the propeller stopped. <laughs> well,
3: and I think and I, I think that's a great lesson right there. That I see a lot of people lose their drones when it drops into Addy mode, mm-hmm. and it's it's really one of those things. Fly it until it's on the ground. Don't, yeah. don't stop, yeah, right. don't stop until it's just absolutely gone or it's on the ground. So that's, that's a great lesson right there.
4: Early on, we had an incident with our 210. We were flying for, at the uh, Loveland fire tower with our fire department and uh, had it up in the air and uh, it, um, it started moving away, you know, drifting away. We we're able to bring it back got out of sight. We we're able to bring it back, land it. And uh, when I looked at the data later to try to figure out what happened, Somehow the uh, switch got pushed down into Addy mode. The wind was pushing it away. Yeah. And then oh, no. the uh, pilot was just oriented as to which way it was facing. And he kept pushing it farther away versus bringing it back. Oh. So uh, yeah. that was, uh, it was a good lesson for us. So that's now on the checklist. Check the uh, switch. Make sure it's not in Addy mode. So, oh, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. A good point. Well, with that, we'll take a quick break here.
1: We have a, a, a short break in the middle of here of this uh, podcast. We'll be right back right after this, these messages.
0: If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at UAS at That's UAS at M-O-B-I-L-C-O-M-M dot com or call 877-447-8433. Getting hands-on drone training should not be hard. With MobileCom, it's easy. Partnered with SkyOp, a national leader in drone training, MobileCom offers in-person drone instructor-led classroom instructions at our facility or yours. Courses include hands-on training so your staff is trained not only in the knowledge behind the drones, but flying one, making your drone program exceptional and, most importantly, safer mobilecom chooses skyop because teaching pilots how to fly safely and following regulations is all they do skyop develops top-notch drone training nothing else their curriculum and mobilecom skyop certified instructors give your drone pilots the background knowledge and hands-on training not provided anywhere else by people who only do drone training whether you need to pass your part 107 get recurrent on your existing Part 107, starting a drone program from scratch, or need to know how to utilize drone software like PIX4D, Mobilecom has you covered. For more information, call 877-447-8433 or visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS. Again, Mobilecom, M-O-B-I-L, com forward slash U-A-S. That's 877-447-8433. Mobilecom, for the best, most comprehensive drone training anywhere. Mobilecom.
1: All right, welcome back to the public safety drone podcast i'm jill wessels we're here at the blue ash police department in lovely blue ash ohio and i'm um, uh introduce my uh, co-host here david glenn from kludge he's a uh, i say from kludge that's your youtube channel that's my youtube channel yep yeah which is and uh,
3: twitter and pretty much all social media You can find me with yeah, that k-l-o-o-g-e-e because nobody right, knows how to spell, spell that yeah we better
1: spell that out definitely. <laughs> and then uh lieutenant steve Schuler of the blue ash police department i'm make sure i don't make Welcome that mistake back. from my first episode I'm so embarrassed by that so <laughs> um not that i'm embarrassed of the fire service yeah. I mean, I mean, just putting you guys in the wrong department. Yeah, you know, there's a little competition, right? Now, no? okay, not at this table, man. but maybe, <laughs> no, yeah. no. not that they'll talk about it anyways. Yeah, yeah right not here, <laughs> exactly. Everywhere. <We're laughs> it's all underneath there somewhere, right? You know, very, in the background, very good. And Fire Chief uh, Amos Johnson of the Woodlawn Fire Department. And so, hello, yeah, welcome back to the, the episode here. So, Dave, you said before we got the break, you wanted to mention something. Oh, uh, I was just going like to say, in
3: terms of the the fire standards, I can see how it would be very useful to have a set of standards at a at a high level. That helps me if, if I don't have any sort of a drone program at all in my organization to be able to have a set of standards that I can go and look at and say, oh, OK, this is what I need to start implementing. This is what I need to do instead of having to say, oh, uh, hey, Chief Johnson or hey, you know, this other, uh, you know, I have to go find somebody who who knows you know, what to start with. I've got a list of standards that I can go work with that I know is going to be solid and a good place to start at. Mm-hmm. And then as I'm working through that, maybe then I can reach out to a, a peer or a colleague or something like that to to kind of help start, okay, well, now I, there, here's what I've got. Now I know where to start. Can you you know maybe provide me some input on this particular item instead of saying, hey, can you send me your whole program? <laughs> yes. yes.
1: Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah.
2: Good point. And it's all in writing too now. And that was the other thing too with the fire chiefs of starting this. And just for the fire service in general, we go to our standard for everything we do. Yeah. Everything we do on our fire officers. If you if you're in charge of a fire truck, there's a certain standard that you have to meet. Yeah. And there's certain JPRs you have to meet. So it works in conjunction. And just another piece too, as well, for the insurance companies now, they where they ask you the questionnaire, what have you done? Do you have a 107 or whatever the case may be? And what is there a standard out there when you have the um underwriters? Yeah. They want to know now, is there a standard out there that not necessarily that you're following, but is there one out there that shows that you're proficient at this? Right. So that's a whole another piece that's coming to as well, that this might jump over into the. It's a financial issue. Public. Yeah. No, I'm sorry. Private sector, too, as well. Yeah. Okay. The private sector, too. So that's yeah. another piece. And again, they're already talking about rewriting this anyway, because it's
1: evolving so fast. So.
3: Yeah. Yeah. I
2: could see that.
1: So we are, the next topic we wanted to talk about was uh, getting a waiver. And, and uh, in the public safety realm, it's, it can be a little different. Um, the waivers aren't necessarily the same. They are, I'm t- I guess, talk about the COAs or certificates of um, authorization. Certificates, authorization. Uh, authorization. Right? Yeah, there are certificates, right? Yeah, there are certificates yeah. of authorization, um, which are easier to get, at least for a blanket kind of COA, uh, which is what people generally call them as the COA. Uh, for the uh, public safety side. But uh, I think everybody at this table, including David, has a waiver of some sort. I'm the only guy who hasn't done it yet, but I I need to do it. Come on, Joe. So who wants, to, who wants to start that pro Tell me a little bit about the process. When did you get them? Why did you get them? That sort of thing. So, I'll start with that. Mine's pretty okay, easy.
2: Chief. Yeah, go ahead. So I had an employee named Katie Tilmeyer and said, go get our COA's and waiver. <laughs> <That's,
4: laughs> you still have an employee. That's, she's going to get on this
1: podcast one
2: of these
4: days. Yeah,
1: right? she,
2: yeah. She'll be here. She'll be here. We'll so I'll pass it to lieutenant. So, so we had maybe a similar
4: experience here, where we uh, <laughs> we tried a couple times to get a COA for our night waiver to waive 107.29 of the uh, the Federal Aviation Regulations. And I had a difficult time, you know. We, we, the first time we didn't nearly submit enough information, they said no. The second time, I thought we had it. We submitted the information, and we got a no again and said, you may want to address these areas. So I tried to get somebody on the also phone. So they and, give you kind of a hint. They do, yeah, a general hint. Do you have a so, phone number
1: you can call and talk to the person? Well, no. So, no okay. uh, but, but I found
4: a phone number, called them, and they said, hey, we don't discuss this over the phone. You know, you, oh, get, really? you really need to look back at the four the four basically hazards you have to mitigate that uh, you've, you can find an FAA drone zone. And uh, uh-huh. make sure you're meeting all those. We enlisted the help of the uh, Ohio UAS Center in Springfield, Ohio, oh, yeah. run by ODOT. Right. I just sent our paperwork up to them, and one of our sergeants, Steve Keller, actually did a great job of preparing that. We submitted it up to them. They said, "Hey, you know, make these tweaks and things." We resubmitted it and got approved this year, so uh, we're finally approved for our so, 10729 waivers, so, which is the the daytime waiver, right? The, yeah, waves daytime operations. So right. uh, in our case, we had to meet. Uh, we well, we said we would meet several. Uh, standards standards here we go again right in mm-hmm. order to uh to mitigate those hazards and one of those was uh, the position lighting on the aircraft so uh-huh. we have red and green lights same as an airplane or a boat you know red on the left green on the right mm-hmm. that uh orient you can look up in the sky and orient without looking at the uh the, whatever the flight app is you're using yeah. You can look up in the air and see which direction the aircraft's facing. So that was one of the big issues they had a problem with. So I actually submitted uh, so a video really, of our uh, aircraft with uh, those yeah, lights on to say, to me, yeah. this is what it looks like. And uh, that I think we think that helped uh, get our, our waiver. So.
1: so that was very important to them to have that beacon. Right. To say that you're going to have a beacon on there. And
4: right. Well, yeah. Well, not only the beacon for visibility to other aircraft, but the, uh, the lighting visi- that, that shows you which way the aircraft is, right. is oriented. So. Right. So,
3: yeah, so, again, so you can see your- the attitude and orientation. Of Mm -hmm. it, so that you have you can have full control. Because during the daytime, you have to be able to the the official regulation is visual line of sight. So, so, and it's not just that you can see it; it's actually so that you can see its attitude and orientation, so you know Mm -hmm. which way it's facing. That way, if your screen goes away, you can be able to control it. And I think we talked about this earlier. That you know you, uh, you you. people have flyaways and if you can't see it and you can't and you don't know which direction it's facing you don't know which way is forward or backwards and so having those navigation lights those red and green lights are fantastic i'll tell you that i've got a 107.29 waiver as well and um i i went about it a little different i uh so i think you were maybe talking about doing a uh, coa right a little bit and right. and and coordinating that with your 107. So yours is a waiver though,
4: right, Steve? Is Ours a- is a waiver. We don't currently have a COA. Oh, you don't have a COA. So okay. the COA will give you night operation as well. Woodlawn has a public right. safety COA. So yeah, Okay, yep,
3: absolutely. Yeah, and you have to so okay, so so the 10729 allows you to be able to fly it, it waives the requirement to fly within daylight hours. So you can fly at night even though it's called the daylight operations allows you right. to fly in the dark and um and so one of the one of the issues with that is that you can't fly in controlled airspace airspace with that, and so mm-hmm. some people and i can I can imagine this would be useful for you guys for your mutual aid at night and stuff you have to have. A COA, a Certificate of Authorization, to go with your waiver right. to be able to fly at night in controlled airspace. Correct. So if oh, you well. think about here right. in here in Cincinnati, we have uh, two controlled airspaces, which is Lunken's Class D airspace mm-hmm. and CVG Cincinnati a- Airport, uh, mm-hmm. Cincinnati Northern Kentucky Airport, right. is Class B airspace, and to fly in those area in those controlled airspace areas. I personally, because I haven't gone through and got a COA that allows me, gives me authorization to fly at night and in controlled airspace. So with my 107.29 waiver, I can only fly at night in class G airspace. Oh, really? So, okay. So I think back when we... So Lance, when you go through and do Lance specifically, uh, when you do Lance for getting authorization to controlled airspace... Uh, they're very specifically, when you get the, the text back saying you're approved, it very specifically says in there during daylight operations only. Uh-huh. So you have to go an additional step and get a COA to kind of bring together your uh, your authority or your authorization to fly in controlled airspace and combine it with your waiver for daylight operations.
1: So will they waive for civilian, non-law enforcement, non-public Yes. City? Will they waive yes. Yes. Uh, the a lot control of pe- airspace? Yes, they, they will.
3: Yes, um, oh. you, and you have to go through. I think you have to do it through FAA drone zone. You you submit a certificate of authorization request. Um, so you can't do it through Lance or anything like that. And is it a one time go-
1: deal, or is it is it a Can you get a blanket or, or I a think container? it's similar. I
3: think it's similar to the one hundred seven point twenty nine, and they they give it for a period of time. Uh, when I uh, applied for my one hundred seven twenty nine, I actually just requested for a year, and they gave me three years. Okay. Um, and, uh, wait, wait. and I Don't think us, that the we'll certificate you, kind of authorization of has an end date. I'm not sure if they're giving those out for a year timeframe or a three year timeframe. I'm not sure, but I know that they have a defined period that is, a, is an extended period of time like that, mm-hmm. but I'm not sure what, what it is. Uh, like I said, I haven't gone through that process. I've read about why, it.
1: Why did you apply me. for yours?
3: So I do, uh, I, I do a lot of different things and, um, uh you know i do some real estate i've done weddings i've done uh inspections i've done a lot of different things i've had people uh hire me to you know just take pretty pictures of their buildings or whatever sure. and um and and that's really really the biggest reason is that i've had people hire me to to do things Was it
1: just to do it too? Plus,
3: that 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 honestly is the is the initial reason why I did it was I, I I just wanted it right I wanted to be able to legally fly at night I I love for for myself I'm just a public citizen unlike unlike these guys uh, you know I I photography is kind of a cool thing to me and uh, I, I like I like getting pretty pictures and pretty video and stuff like that and. And uh, to, to in order to do that, one of my favorite places to fly is downtown Cincinnati along the Ohio River with Roebling Bridge lit up and downtown lights right. and all that kind of stuff. Oh, yeah. And I've got some pretty yeah. cool stuff at night uh, that I wouldn't have been but able to that, get. Oh,
1: that's not controlled for airspace there, is it?
3: Well, uh, so yes. Lunkins Class D airspace kind of splits downtown kind of in half. We're talking about downtown so, Cincinnati. Downtown too. Cincinnati, yeah. So, so east of Great American Ballpark, you get into... Uh, Cl- Lunkins class D and west of it, you get, you get into, um, yeah, you get into, you have to go several miles before you get into Cincinnati airports, controlled airspace. So there's a good chunk of, of airspace there that you can fly. That's not in uh, controlled airspace. So Ro- the Roebling bridge, uh, which is one of my favorite things to take pictures of and video of at night
1: is, uh, it's just fine to fly there with, uh, we, Go ahead. I say Look we're different. about to wrap up here. This probably is a topic that we need to probably spill into the next episode a little bit, too, though, uh, because we're kind of at the at the time limit here. And then, uh, unless did you want to? No, good to go. You're good, good to go. go. We'll yes, talk sir. about it on the next episode. Thanks for listening to uh, the Public Safety Drone Podcast. I'm Joe Wessels from uh, MobileCom, along with David Glenn, uh, Kludgey on uh, YouTube. Lieutenant Steve Schuler of the Blue Ash Police Department and Chief Amos Johnson from the Woodlawn Fire Department. Thanks for joining us. Uh, Catch us next week for another episode of the Public Safety Drone Podcast. Have a great week, everybody.
0: You've been listening to the Public Safety Drone Podcast. If you're interested in being a guest or know someone who could be, please contact the Public Safety Drone Podcast producer at uas at mobilecom.com. That's uas at m-o-b-i-l-c-o-m-m dot com or call 877-447-8433. Also, feel free to leave us a comment or feedback using the same methods special thanks to our music contributors mentioned during the show all music used with permission please rate us on and subscribe to our show on itunes your rating and reviews do help others find the show if itunes isn't your thing you can find us on spotify stitcher soundcloud TuneIn, in a tin can, and a string just about anywhere else you can or can't find podcasts. We'll see you next time on the Public Safety Drone Podcast, sponsored by MobileCom. Visit mobilecom.com forward slash UAS for more information on drone training happening in your area or for all your drone product needs, or call 877-447-8433. Thank you for listening and fly safe.